Thank you, choir. Praise team. Appreciate y'all being here early this morning and staying with us through the whole time. Well, normally in the service, we have the surprise box, which is a little time for the children to uh, come up and hear a little message. But this time I brought the surprise, but I would still like the children to come up. So if you're a children, if you view yourself as child age, you can come up here and join me right here on the stage. <clears throat> Don't be afraid. It's all right. Come right here. You can join just right here. It'd be great. I like those boots, man. Those are nice. So, I get to bring the surprise. Uh, why are we here today? Anybody know? What's going on today? Yeah. It's Easter, right? Yeah, it's Easter. So, I got some surprises for you guys in this bag. Anybody interested in what's in here? I mean, what if it's like something really cool? I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, what is this? It's like a DVD case, right? It's like a DVD case. Here, you want to hold that for me here? Thanks, dude. You can hold that for me. Um, anybody ever seen one of these things? Plastic bag. What do you use this for? It's like the kitchen. Sometimes your mom uses it in the kitchen and stuff, right? You guys are like, where are we going with this? This is church. We got a, you want to hold that for me? We got a plastic bag. Uh, got the youth pastor's wallet. Any of you guys carry a wallet yet? No? What's usually in here? What do you keep in a wallet? No, who do I hear, dude? You can keep this one. I know, I know where you go. <laughs> what about this thing? Tupperware? What do you usually keep in here? Food? If you're a bachelor like me, you get a lot of food from this thing right here, right? Would you hold this for me? And last but not least, how many of you guys, what do you usually get on Easter? Hmm? Yeah. What does it usually come in? Eggs, right? Have any of you guys found any eggs yet today? Right, yeah, some of you guys already, What? <laughs> You got $25 worth of eggs. I don't know what Easter egg you were looking at. So I got an Easter egg here too. Um, somebody want this? Here, why don't, here, why don't you take that right there. So I want to ask you, what, what do these things have in common, do you think? See, look, you got a DVD case, bag, Tupperware, wallet, Easter egg. What do you think? Yeah. They hold things. Now, why don't you guys open them up? Why don't you guys open them up? Yeah, I know. Look at this guy's face. Is, was there anything in your Easter egg? No, that's like the worst kind of Easter egg, isn't there? Hayden, I got any money in that wallet? No, it's empty. That's how the youth pastor keeps his wallet, right? Is there anything in that Tupperware? In the bag? No, in the DVD case? No, but yeah, but you don't got one right there, right? <laughs> so what are all these things? They're empty. Is it usually exciting to find something empty? Like if you were to, when you open that Easter egg and it's empty, do you go, Wow. That's exciting. No, you go, Mom and Dad, you missed an egg, right? Where's the money in this one? Or where's the candy, right? The Jolly Ranchers. So what What do we celebrate today, though, as Christians? Yeah. God, but what do we celebrate? Yeah. Jesus' death. Yeah. When he rose from the grave, that's true. Yeah. And he died for our sins and rose again. These are all great answers. When the ladies went to the, what? He rose. When the ladies went to the tomb, what did they find? Nothing. Right? You guys ever think of how weird that is? The ladies went to the tomb and they found nothing there, and yet we celebrate it year after year after year. Why do we celebrate it? Because the empty tomb meant that Jesus rose. Right? And that when we find some... So not everything that's empty is bad. The empty tomb is a great thing. Now, sometimes when you feel empty inside, is that good? Like when you feel lonely or you feel sad, those things aren't good, are they? Right? Well, Jesus talked to us about that when we feel empty sometimes. 
talk to us about his own empty tomb. He said in said in John, he says, "You guys listen to this. What is this book again? Bible. Why do we look to the? Why do we read out of this book? It's God's word. And what does God's word have in it? Yeah. Yeah. It tells us about God. Is the truth in this book? You guys think this stuff in here is true? That's why we read out of it. So it says this." It says, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him, right? To believe in Jesus shall have eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. Right. And so with Jesus, we never need to feel empty. And in fact, Jesus said that one day, if we believe in him, whose grave will be empty? Mine. You all's right. Because we won't be in the grave. Where will we be? We'll be in heaven with Jesus, right? And so I want you guys to remember, not everything that's empty is bad. This kid's taking out my credit cards here, right? <laughs> Thanks, dude. I'll take that back. You guys can go back to your seats. Thanks for coming and listening today. <clears throat> that's the little children's sermon for this day. Thank you. I'll take all my empty things back. I'm going to put some candy in this Easter egg. I'm going to keep my wallet. Thank you all. <laughs> to include being the children's pastor as well. Brandon, the children's pastor. Uh, super, super excited about this day and just to celebrate and to talk about the resurrection with you and the implications of that in our lives. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, I want to talk to you just briefly and just have you... Uh, Imagine with me that you are driving a Jeep Wrangler and you're at the base of the hill and uh, you are uh, off-roading and you don't know what you're doing. Uh, For some of you, this wouldn't be too far from the truth as it would be with me. And you look up the hill and you say, I wonder if uh, what's over uh, on the other side of this hill and I wonder if I could make it up this hill. It's not that I wonder if the Jeep can do that, because that's what Jeeps are for. Uh, But I wonder if I can do this. And I wonder, once I get to the other side, what I will find. Will it be just a cliff? I just get up to the top, and as I crest the top of the hill, it just drops off, and I plunge the Jeep Wrangler and myself off a cliff, and we both die. Is it a plateau that leads to a a larger hill or mountain on the other side, one that I'd need to climb as well? Or maybe it's just a ravine of rocks where I would go down and I'd get stuck and I couldn't get back. What's going to be on the other side? What's over that hill? As I think about that story and I, I think about that situation, I think that that's what many of our lives are like. That as we think about uh, that next phone call that we might receive, that next doctor's appointment, that next bill, uh, that, that next whatever uh, that we fear, we wonder, I wonder what's on the other side. I wonder what will happen. This morning I want to tell you that um, this big question of what's on the other side or what happens next I think is answered in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you today 
the hope that you can have in Jesus that you can't find anywhere else. Let me pray and ask God's blessing on our time. God, thank you for the opportunity of being with these great folks. We ask that you would bless our time, that your word would speak to us, and that your Holy Spirit would work in our lives in such a way that we would have a clearer picture of who you are and your plan for our lives. Uh, Help us to be obedient, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, uh, as we look at 1 Corinthians 15, I want to warn you ahead of time that we're not going to get to the depths of 1 Corinthians 15. It's all about the resurrection and what it means. And if you want to read it and study it, it really is about 10 messages if you would really want to understand it completely. Very difficult, but very important uh, as you think about who we are. As it starts in verse 1 uh, through 8, I titled this section, What He Did, or This is What He, he Did for Us. It says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, uh, first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead on the third day in accordance with the scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. As we look at this, he starts out, he says, I'm talking about the gospel. I I want to share with you the gospel. I want to remind you of the gospel. And the gospel means good news. And I realize that not all news is good news. And some good news isn't even good news to us. I know that many times I've heard, uh, I've I've been listening to the radio and they talk about lottery winners winning millions of dollars and it doesn't even faze me. It doesn't excite me at all. You know why? Because it wasn't me. If it would have been me, if I would have received good news, if if someone would have somehow shared with me something that was great for me, I would have been excited. And yet maybe for some of you this morning, the gospel is the good news, and the good news is about Jesus. And this morning, maybe as you hear, we're going to talk about Jesus, you go, I don't know. (laughs) That's just not all that exciting for me. Maybe you've been one of the ones that's been dragged here or drugged here. Uh, Think about it. (laughs) I realized that uh, coming to church on Easter maybe is one of those things where you kind of say, well, I'm going to do my due for the year. I'm going to take care of, uh, check that off the list. It comes early, fairly early in the year, so you can really accomplish some of those list things early. But um, to really talk about and to think about Jesus isn't all that exciting to me. It's not good news. It may be because you haven't been changed. You haven't been saved. You haven't been forgiven of your sins. Because if you had, it would be very exciting. It would be good news for you. 
But he's talking about the gospel, the message that saves. And the message that saves, he identifies the one he's speaking of in verse 3. He says that Christ, that Christ. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with who Christ is, it's Jesus. Jesus was his name. Christ is the identification, really connected with the Old Testament. See, in the Old Testament, they looked forward to a Messiah. They realized that life was incomplete, and they realized that their sins were mounting, and they realized that life was just not right. And so they looked for the Messiah, the Savior that was to come. And as Christ was identified, Jesus was identified as the Christ, He is the Messiah the one that is to come. So as he speaks of him, he speaks of him as Christ. And in verse 3 it continues that Christ died for our sins. He died. The first point, he he, he didn't almost die. He didn't sort of die. It wasn't something that um, he just had some kind of sense of dying. He went in a coma or a sleep but he actually died. But it also says that he died for a specific reason. I know that many doctors have considered the, the cross type of death and they, they've thought through, you know, how do you die on the cross? You die from the blood pouring out from the, the nails that were hung there, the, uh, the different wounds he had on his back from the beatings and the spear in his side and the suffocation that he must have been through because you can't breathe when you're hung on a cross. All those things are true. But why did he die? Why did he die? What placed him there? Our sins. Our sins. As you look through the life of Jesus, you realize that he was not the sinner. In fact, he was... There were sinners all around him. Everyone he came in contact with were sinners. The ones he stood before that were his judges, they were sinners. The people who worshipped him were sinners. The people who didn't like him were sinners. The people who liked him were sinners. The soldiers that nailed him to the cross were sinners. The priests and, and, and who mocked him, they were sinners. Everyone was sinners. The, the men next to him. And yet Jesus stood and was crucified as a sinless man. Now why did he go to that cross? It's not because he wasn't powerful enough to overtake them. He went to the cross for our sins. Christ died for our sins. As we move on, it, it also tells us, and really this is in some ways one of the, the clearest pictures of the gospel. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, that his body was taken off the cross It was placed in a tomb with great care. It was sealed off. It was guarded by soldiers so that no uh, funny business could go on, that they couldn't say uh, in some further time that something happened. They took great care. But then it says also, Christ died, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he rose again. That he rose again. I want to bring out a point here. I hope you heard it. It said, according to the scriptures, or in accordance with the scriptures. What that refers to is that Jesus didn't die because of an accident. 
but that it was part of a plan that was foretold through the prophets hundreds of years before the life of Christ. They talked about the Savior that would come. It was the one that the Jews were looking for, the Messiah. And it was Jesus that fulfilled it in his death, burial, and resurrection. He was the one. Well, it goes on to talk about, as I read, it goes and talk about, and I want to speak in theological terms, that a bunch of people saw him. A bunch. It goes on to list this guy and a, bunch, a smaller group of people and then over the 500 and then some others and then another group. And, and Paul ties it up and he says, yeah, and I even saw him. And why a bunch of people? Why is it this list of a bunch of people? Well, it's real simple. It's because of middle school stories. You remember being in seventh and eighth grade? And you're at school and someone's telling a story and someone goes, oh yeah? They start listening and you go, oh, they're really listening. Sweet. And so as they're listening to you, you're making your story bigger and bigger. And it's starting to get farther and farther from reality. And finally, yeah, there were aliens. They came and they came into my bedroom. And really it happened. And then others go away and they tell the story. And you say, where'd you hear that? Well, I heard it from my friend at school. Oh, that explains it. It's just some fanciful story of some middle school because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem real. So what is this bunch of people? How do they fit into this? It's real simple. It was just one middle schooler who saw the resurrection. Would we be celebrating today? We wouldn't even be talking about it, would we? Why? Because we wouldn't believe it. But why he lists this for us, and even in the passage you can see where it says, and they're alive today. Not that they're alive today today, but they were alive at the time of this writing. And so what they would have done is this. Hey, did you, did, you know, I heard the story of Jesus. Did you see? Yeah, I saw him. I saw him myself. I didn't, I, I didn't, I don't know why I was there that day, but I saw Jesus. And say, oh. Oh, maybe, I don't know, that seems kind of wild. Did you? Yeah, I saw him too. I was right by him. I saw Jesus that day. And they would go around and they would, and what is that? What is it? That's testimony, right? It's witnesses. It's what we do in a court of law. And it's what we do when we weren't there. We talk to people who were. And what he's saying, a whole bunch of people saw him risen from the dead. It's not something that was just based upon one person or even two, but a whole bunch of people saw him. And their testimony bears out that he has risen from the dead. That's what he did. That's what he did. And, and I think that as we consider who we are, we got to consider what he did for us. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. Well, chapter 15 also talks about what if it didn't happen? What if he didn't rise from the dead? What if he's, he was killed and there was no more? Verse 17, let's look at it. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile 
and you're still and you are still in your sins verse 18 then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished and if in this life only we have to hope in Christ we are of all people most to be pitied if he didn't if he didn't rise from the dead if he's still in the grave few things are true first of all the bible tells us that our life is futile it's the idea, a picture of being worthless. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? If Christ didn't rise from the dead, then this life is futile. It's worthless. It's meaningless. That's what it says as I look through this. Your faith is futile. That we would believe in something, it's just, it's just worthless. Second thing he tells us right after that. He says, you are still in your sins. If Christ didn't rise again, you are still in your sins. Every sin that you've committed, every uh, filthy thing that you have thought of and done is still a weight on your shoulders. It still marks you if Christ did not rise from the dead. This passage also tells us about those who have passed away in faith. We've had some dear people in our church pass away in recent weeks. If Christ did not rise again, verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep, it's a nice way to say pass away or to die, they've just perished. There's no hope for them. And lastly, in verse 19, if Christ did not rise again, really, I like to say it like this, the joke's on us. The joke's on us. It says we're of, if we only hope in Christ for this life, if this was only like some moral thing that we do that helps us get through the day, it says this, we are of all people most to be pitied. We should be laughed at and, and felt bad for all oh, those silly people who meet at Bear Valley Church. That we should we should feel sorry for them. They're pathetic. This is what's true if Christ did not rise again. But he did. But he did rise again. And as I read that, I, I, I just am overwhelmed at the burden that I would carry without Christ being risen from the dead. I was thinking about if this was a three-part message, and it could easily be that. It would probably be many more. But if I would have started one week, and as some of you are, you would come one week or miss a week. or miss, And you'd just come for the week that I talked about. If Christ hadn't risen from the dead, it'd be depressing You'd walk out of church and go, oh, I just want to take a nap and sit around and mope all day long because there is no hope. The words pathetic and pitiful and uh, all, all those words come to mind. But he did. He rose from the dead. Because he rose from the dead, uh, we really have encouragement for the day. And as we look at the end of this chapter, verse 54, I want to encourage you with some things that hopefully will give uh, 
your understanding of what the, the resurrection means for you today. We kind of jump in in the middle of uh, a section here, verse 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Few things just to tie this up. What's the word that jumps out at you in that passage? To me, it's victory. It's victory. And to be honest, uh, when I think about victory, I don't feel like that every day. In fact, I feel like feel like I get plowed over many a day. And I get wiped out and I don't feel like the victor. I feel like everyone's having victory over me. My own sin, the the weights of this world, people around me, the, the sins that I struggle with, I feel just bowled over. But I want you to get this. He gives us the victory. He gives it to us. He's done it. What He did on the cross, what He did in the resurrection, we attain the victory. And what's the victory over? Two things. Sin and death. Sin and death. And I want to ask you a question. Other than sin and death, what is there? What is there? If those two things are taken care of, anything else we can handle, right? That He has, ta- he has given us the victory over sin and death. Second thing I want to point out, that this victory is in Christ alone. Read with me, verse 57. But thanks be to Kevin. I don't know what you're laughing about. Your name isn't in there either, right? I look in that and I go, you know what? Um... There's only one that can receive credit for my salvation. God has provided His own Son that through the Lord Jesus Christ, through Him, our sins can be taken care of. And we are given this victory. It's in Jesus Christ and Him alone. There's no other way. I know that sometimes we think that we can be good enough for heaven I don't know what we're thinking. I, I I know that you know there's this real slim time. Real just if you look at my life, the amount of time that I do anything good is really a small, small period of time. But maybe in those times you think to yourself, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm ready for him. you know I'm pretty good. God will take me on you know what I have done." That's not true. If that were true, he would tell us in this passage. And the reality is, if it were true that we could earn our way to heaven, Jesus wouldn't have come. He would have said, hey, just just work your way really hard to heaven and we'll see you there. But Jesus came down to earth, died, 
was buried, rose again so that sinners like us could have salvation. This is how we attain the victory is through him and him alone. My last point of the morning, it's in verse 58. And I know that, I'm just guessing, no one's really told me this. You haven't introduced yourself and say, this is what I'm thinking about doing. But I I know that this morning that, that somebody or a group of you here this morning are at your wit's end ready to give up. Ready to give up. And maybe it's to give up on life. Maybe it's to give up on following after Christ. And reality is, maybe there's some here even this morning, you've already given up. You said, yeah, I used to walk with the Lord long ago, but, you know, it didn't work. So so I bailed out. I bailed out. I, I want to tell you, you, read the last words in verse 15. It says that all our hard things that we should do, following after the Lord, serving Him, are what? Not in vain. Not in vain. And you look back to my second point, right? It was, you know, the life is worthless. It's, uh, it's all in vain and we're most to be pitied. That's if the resurrection didn't happen, but it did happen. So he's given us the victory. Verse 58 says, therefore, therefore, because the resurrection happened, because Jesus gave himself and he rose again, be steadfast, be immovable, always abound in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Why should you not give up on the Lord today? Why should you not stop following Him? Why should you start following after Him? Because it's totally worth it. Because Jesus rose from the dead. Let me pray and ask God's blessing on us as we consider the resurrection. God, thank you for this morning. God, I'm so blessed to know that I have riches beyond compare a victory that I have never earned. And God, I pray this morning uh, for those who are here. I ask that you would mark their life right now, that you would call some to yourself right now and others call them back. I ask that you grant courage to those who are tempting, tempted to move and not be steadfast and not be committed to the truth and to give up. May they cling to the gospel, the gospel that says you gave your son because you loved us, that he died, but he also rose again, that we would attain the victory. God, thank you for this morning. Ask your blessing on us in Jesus' name. Amen.